Welcome to Death, Lies, and Alibis. I'm your host, Christy, and this is the podcast that dives deep into the dark and eerie world of local cold cases. We're in a small, lovely town in the heart of Ohio. It's filled with tight-knit neighborhoods, friendly faces, and a sense of that small town security. But beneath the idyllic surface lies a hidden darkness, a collection of unanswered questions that need answers now. So grab your headphones, lock your doors, and prepare to enter a world where the truth has invaded everyone. Hi folks, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and spent good times with your friends and family. I hope you all made great memories. I'm going to recap Barb's story just a bit. It's uh, important to keep what little details we have, keep those in the forefront. The case is sealed to the public, so we can only go on what's already been put out there. But if you haven't already heard part one of the series, I do suggest you go go and listen, go back, listen to that one, because it goes into more detail than I'm going to here. So let's just start at the beginning. So remember, Barb Frame disappeared 38 long years ago. She left behind three helpless children. It was a cold, frosty January 9th, back in 1985. She was lured by her ex-husband. Remember, he lied about an urgent, at the last moment, attorney meeting. And then that lawyer strongly denied that he ever requested a meeting. There wasn't such a meeting. Right there, we can start with the questions right there. Why did Frame lie to Barb about this meeting? What would be a motive behind a fake setup? Because that led to her disappearance. Now, the children heard Frame tell that lie. Um, did they believe the children back then? I wonder if law enforcement even believed the story. Well, their story has never changed. It's the same throughout these many years. And I don't know about you folks, but I've learned through my many years of living that when a person lies, it's because you're covering up the truth. You don't want the truth to be known, right? Um, it's sneaky. You're up to something. And the poor kids asking themselves, is this really happening to our family? Where is my mom? Did someone hurt her? Are they coming for the rest of my family? Oh my God, are they coming for me? Just let that sink in. Feel their pain. And folks, this is not magical Hollywood, okay? This is real life. That happened in our community right here. And the years passed. The emotional wounds inflicted upon Pard's children continued. Ten long years go by when a slight glimmer of hope emerges. Okay, so enter the out-of-the-norm, yet very intriguing involvement of psychics in Bob's case. These individuals brought with them a unique perspective, and they offered a ray of hope because traditional methods had fallen short. Can you believe that in 1995, 35 self-declared psychics teamed up with our good Sheriff Gibson and the ZPD detectives, and this was all to unravel Barb Frame missing person case. Hey, one of these self-proclaimed psychics dropped the bombshell claiming Barb was killed on Linden Avenue. And that's very important because that's where her car was found. That's where she worked, was right there on Linden Avenue. So that's a huge clue. And they said that her body was tossed or buried at Ellis Dam. That is a body of water here 
Muskingum County. The sheriff's deputies, uh, they did go up to Alistair. They dug around for hours. They did find tissue, but it ended up being animal tissue. No trace of barb at all. Now, we have spoken with a diver who told us he worked with law enforcement, and the law enforcement were working with a psychic. And he said they worked, he worked with another diver, and it was in a pond. I think he said Wayne Avenue. And it was around that time back then, 1995, he said. He said him and the other diver spent long hours over a two-day period, but, of course, without any luck. But here's where it gets really interesting. Detective Robert Allen, in a chat with our Times Recorder newspaper, well, he let slip a secret. Apparently, one of these psychics had inside information about Barb's case. I'm talking stuff that hadn't even hit the headlines yet. Now, I still don't know who that psychic was or the other 35 others involved for that matter. Now, Detective Allen shared a drawing made by one of these psychics, and it's quite the picture, folks. Trust me. Yes, I've seen it. It's a detailed sketch of a two-story house here in Muskingum County. Now, it used to be dark gray or brown, and it had an extension, a white carport, and the last thing was a very massive, massive backyard. Now, I'm putting this picture up. Yes, I have it. I have that picture, and I'm putting it up on our Facebook group. So, go over, join, look, keep your eyes peeled for that, because maybe you'll recognize it. Maybe somebody will recognize it and... Now, using psychics and investigations like this is hotly debated. We know that. It's not scientifically proven. But some investigators and even loved ones, well, they believe in giving it a shot. So, we reached out to a few local psychics ourselves. And luckily, we had one local woman. She agreed to help us out with this case. And kudos to her. She's joining the quest for the truth. And I want to stress, she's doing this out of goodwill. No cash money was involved here at all. Now, she did prefer that she stay behind the scene. And the reason is she's getting out of the mainstream spotlight. She's just going to be practicing like as a hobby. I will say she's had over 30 years of practicing her gift. And she came highly recommended. She presents herself as a medium instead of a psychic, she told me, which she explained to me. That means she gets bits and pieces of instead of long conversations and like me talking to, like, say, my grandma. It's more scattered information, she said, rather than pinpoint data stuff. Now, I'm excited to work with her. She's very renowned, like I said, and she's respected locally. Uh, she's willing to help and try to get the truth, uncover and see what happened here. So... I want to welcome and I want to thank her so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Christy. Now, we've talked about this case through the last couple of weeks, and I'd like to go over some things with you, please. Have you picked up on any specific locations or like landmarks associated with her disappearance? I feel she has never left the county. And water is involved. That could be a body of water or even a name, like a street or person. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Can you offer any information about the possible motive behind Barb Frame's disappearance? No, I don't see a motive at this time, but that could change. And if it does, Christy, I'll reach out to you and let you know of any updates. Okay. That would be awesome. Thank you. Please keep us updated. And yeah, we'll keep in touch. Okay. Have you received any messages or impressions from Barb herself? Um, say, regarding her whereabouts or well-being? Yes. 
At the moment, I do see that she was murdered. I see she was hit in the head area, possibly a broken jaw. She said the person scared her. She described that she was discarded, dump head, thrown away like trash. She guided me saying she really didn't want to leave her children behind that dreadful night. She struggled with her decision. But eventually, she felt it was better and faster to get back if she went alone. Wow, that is so very interesting. Very interesting. Can you provide any insights into, say, the timeline of events leading up to her disappearance? Barb was alive for at least one or two days and was held captive by someone. This person wouldn't let her go. It frightened her. And this person kept hurting her. I never thought about that. Okay, that's never been mentioned. Are you able to offer any descriptions or, let's say, characteristics of individuals that may have been involved? She told me she was very afraid of this person, very afraid this person had tricked her. It surprised her how the events went down that night. There was a car waiting for her now. I don't know if it was the murderer's vehicle, but it's waiting for Barb. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Do you see any connection between Barb Frame's case and other involved disappearances or crimes in our area? Actually, yes. Barb's buried with others. A dumping ground. I don't know how large an area or how close together they are, but she's not alone. There's more than one body. Have you received any information about potential evidence or clues that could lead to a big breakthrough in this case? Don't give up. She and others are around water or associated with the word water, she will be found. I unfortunately don't see a timeline at the moment, and I see that the word water is involved, and she will be found in a killing field. Thank you. Thank you really so much. Thank you for your awesome insight and your help on this case. And maybe we can work together again soon. And you have brought up some very interesting points and some very good new perspectives. I want to thank you again. Absolutely. Again, like I said before, if anything at all comes to me, I'll definitely contact you. Best of luck to you, Christy, and to Barb's family. Okay, folks, that was very interesting. What do you think about that? We learned a couple new things about the case from this medium's viewpoint. Barb wasn't killed right away. Now, that's something I never thought about. I never even came across my mind, right? What do you think about that? Could be, right? You know, somebody holding her, trying to maybe talk her into changing her mind about something, trying to rationalize maybe with her to look at things their way. Um, we learned about a head trauma, a broken jaw. So that's something to look for for the uh, searchers when they go out there to search for Barb and look for bones and things like this. Uh, maybe look for head fractures, uh, you know, broken jaw bones and things like that. Uh, what really, really stood out to me was the dumping grounds. What, what, what do you guys think? That, yeah, that the kill. We have a killing field. And that Barb will eventually be found. That got my hopes up right there. Um, but with other bodies, there are others' bodies. See, uh, when I talked to her uh, earlier, she had so much correct information. I don't know this woman. I don't know too much about psychics or mediums. Uh, but the, the complete list of details she had was honestly just like reading right from the newspaper articles. So I don't know how she got that, that information because it was... Honestly, spot-on information about everything. Um, that makes me kind of leery. I don't know, but 
like I said, I, I'm out there with the family, with you guys. Let's try anything. So I thought it was very interesting. I do appreciate her. I really, really do. So let's continue. Okay, so we'll be talking more about the interview with her and on her Facebook group. Please come over and join the conversation. So what's your take on involving psychics in solving cold cases? Do you think their gift can generally add to uncovering the truth? I think it's interesting. I really do. I, I have an open mind myself. Okay, so let's dive deeper into the investigative aspects of Barb's case. We're going to shift our focus here. Let's explore the challenges and determining what could the perpetrator's actions have been on that night. Now, I tried to pinpoint the exact steps that could have been taken that night, but it's like trying to solve a puzzle that's missing half its pieces, honestly, because we need some concrete evidence, right? I mean, more from you guys, more from the community, because unraveling these theories without concrete evidence, well, that just feels like we have that puzzle, it's missing the pieces, and we're putting it together in the dark, because speculating about what might have happened well yeah we partly do that but when we do we got to remember that these are just theories folks not certified facts i always say this you know it and i'm going to say it again we're here to share the stories i provide the tools on the facebook group and i always encourage you to do your own research because i am not a professional i am just a gal with a mic and i'm trying to shed some light on this heartbreaking case I've reached out to Police Chief Comstock, but he's completely and rudely ignored me, my three requests, plus the latest one I hand-delivered. Uh, I'm asking for an interview. I know he has a busy schedule, so I even offered to have an email interview, but I'm getting nada for him. I mean, you know, with new forensic testing and new programs out there now, DNA testing, there's so much new. Our our community has questions. Of course we do. What's being done, if anything, to solve these cold cases? Are they just shelved until someone comes forward? Or does testing happen automatically? So many years. Or what happens? We do have the right to ask how our law enforcement agencies are using dollars and manpower to investigate, solve these cold cases in our area. We deserve to see what the men and women in blue are learning and how they're getting educated to solve these cases. I have a right to ask, and you have a right to know. The, pro the Prosecutor Welch's website page, well, he, they emphasize transparency. And the Sheriff's Office, you know he's been very cooperative with us. Sheriff Leach has granted us a couple interviews. So... What's our Chief Comstock's problem, we wonder? Well, you know Sheriff Lutz told us himself that they don't have a cold case unit, so I'm thinking it's safe to say that neither does the city police. So how does things work? Are you just as interested in these questions as I am? Because I'm going to keep asking them as we go forward. And Chief Comstock, I'm not giving up. We do deserve answers. I mean, this can't be the perfect crime in our area, please. We have so many unsolved cases. This can't be. This is one of our oldest. This happened in 1985. It's time. 
Okay, up next, we have an interview with Kathy Huber that is Barb's oldest. Kathy is a lot like her mom, strong and determined. So stick around to hear Kathy explain this nightmare. Okay, we have AI voice here. This is exactly the conversation that Kathy and I have, but it's not Kathy's voice. It is her exact words, but we have AI voice, which is artificial intelligence. It's a new technology. We're just using it. Give us your feedback. We did get the permission from the individuals involved that we use this for. So yeah, um, tell us what you think. Give us some feedback. Kathy, what memories do you have of your mother and what kind of person was she? My mother was a very outgoing person. She made friends wherever she went. We lived in a few different neighborhoods and she always had neighbors visiting her. People flocked to her. She was also witty and made people laugh. Kids loved her too, including my friends, my brother's friends, and the neighborhood kids. How did your mother's abusive relationship with her ex-husband impact your childhood and your relationship with her? The abuse was terrible. He physically abused her several times per week. He hated her kids, too. I never got along with him. He made our life a living hell. So I didn't even want to come home from school every day. I'm sure my siblings felt the same way. It didn't really impact my relationship with her as an older child. I tried to stay away from home a lot, but it was because of him, not her. I can relate to that, Kathy. I really can't. I literally spent a way more time away from my home than at it because I just wanted to avoid the beatings and the daily abuse. How did you and your siblings cope with a loss at such a young age? We didn't cope very well. The youngest one had counseling, but he said it wasn't helpful at all, probably because grief counseling doesn't work for a loss with no closure. I don't think counselors knew what ambiguous loss was. Back then, we just did the best we could, but it affected us deeply. Okay, folks, uh, ambiguous loss refers to a unique form of loss where a person experiences grief or feelings of uncertainty without any closure or clarity. It just continues on. What are some of the challenges you face growing up without your mother and knowing that her ex-husband was a person of interest in her disappearance? We all had our own unique challenges. Some buried the grief while others acted out. The youngest had to go live with that ex-husband, but he was too young to really know what was going on. The other two of us were pretty much kept away from the ex-husband, all his friends and the whole neighborhood. I didn't even step foot on Alice Street again where she went missing from until I was in my 30s. Kathy, have you ever considered reaching out to the ex-husband or his acquaintances or people who might have information? Have no interest in seeing or talking to the ex-husband. It would just stir up bad memories. He wouldn't tell me the truth anyways, neither would his friends. I completely can understand that. How has your family's experience impacted your own relationships and, say, interactions with others? I think it made me more cautious with my own kids. It caused me more unnecessary anxiety when my kids were young. If their bus was five minutes late bringing them home, I was panicking. So I never wanted to feel the loss of another person the same way. I think it gave me abandonment issues and anxiety in my relationships with other people. Well, yeah, I can understand that. Have you ever conducted your own investigation into your mother's disappearance? I have done a little bit, but mostly online. I have also worked a lot with Lily Paisley, who's a private investigator when she was investigating. We have done memorials and balloon releases for my mother through the years. Right. We've discussed Lily, and she has graciously offered to grant us an interview, and I'm so looking forward to finally meeting her, and I'm going to pick her brain. How have you kept your mother's memory alive 
for your own children, family members. I have shown my kids pictures of her. I have told them of things that my mother and I used to do and what kind of person she was. My brother has also told his kids about her. We don't really talk about her disappearance much, though. Positive. Keep the positive thoughts. Keep her memory alive. Yeah. What would it mean to you and your family to finally have closure? Closure is needed in order to move on from grief. People with missing family members are stuck in their grief. Also, she deserves a proper burial, not just tossed away wherever she was put. Justice needs served. Also, people can't move on with the grieving process until everything is done and over with. Do you believe that there are other resources or avenues that have not yet been explored that could lead to finding some answers? The suspects and others withholding information need to be interrogated and made to talk, but only the police can do that. That's very true. Please come forward. What message would you like to convey to those who have been involved in your mother's disappearance? I would like anyone with information to please come forward. They can remain anonymous if they want. Kathy, your bravery in sharing your family's challenges is very commendable. Our hearts and support are with you on this journey as you seek answers and justice. Kathy's interviews are more than just storytelling. They become beacons of hope. Her openness isn't solely about her mom. It's a guiding light for others that's going through a similar search. So join our Facebook group and please share your thoughts or, hey, let's give Kathy and her family words of support because she's a very active member of our Facebook group and she's always there to care and share. I'm just going to wrap this up by giving you my opinion on what happened. I believe her ex was an abuser and he loved control. He had to have that control over her and the entire relationship um, because family and friends had said that he threatened to kill her numerous times throughout the marriage. And he had the mindset if he couldn't have her, nobody could. And he did lure her out with that fake phone call, knowing that this would work out because she didn't have a phone hooked up yet. Remember, this was back in 1985, no cell phones. I believe it could have been her ex and he killed her and he got rid of the body where nobody will ever find it. Jeff Raymond and his family are known to have access to woods and farmland around here. And of course we have the Muskingum River and we have tons of body of water around here, Dillon and different ponds and where a person remains could never be found. I personally think in my unprofessional opinion that he had help. I don't know how he'd get her there and got her separated from her car, leaving her purse and coat behind. And then he just went on to live his criminal life. Now, I don't know this man. I have never met this man. I've reached out to him several times. He's in Madison Correctional Institution right now. I haven't heard back from him yet, uh, but I feel like I've met him. He's exactly like my stepfather was. Now, folks, Sainsville is a small town. Rumors run rampant here. So how in the world has this case remained so cold? How have people not talked or whispered about this in 38 years? Well, I believe they have. Has the system failed, Barframe? Can this be solved? Share your theories, thoughts, and any information you might have on Barb's case in our Facebook group. Because, guys, seriously, your perspectives are crucial in shedding light on our local crimes. 
What insights have you gained from today's episode? Did you learn anything new about the case? Did we get anything wrong? If I got anything wrong, got any, please let me know. Correct me. I'm all up for that. And while that does wrap up this episode of Death, Lies, and Alibis, we hope that by shining a light on these local crimes, we've sparked something within you, our listeners. Because the truth is, solving these cases will take more than just our words. It's going to require the dedication and collective efforts of the entire community. Don't forget to hit the follow button on the podcast. That way you'll never miss an episode. To learn more about how to get a case featured on our show or to get instant access to case files, reports, plus documents, and many free resources, go to our Facebook group, Death, Lies, and Alibis, and join today or email us at Death lies alibis at gmail.com as always be safe stay alert and never stop seeking justice